Hello everybody and welcome to Bite-Sized Chunks of Faith. My name is John O'Pierce and in this podcast I want to share how having a Christian faith has brought hope and meaning and purpose to my life. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 139 of Bite-Sized Chunks of Faith. And as I love to have the opportunity sometimes, today I'm delighted to be able to welcome a guest to the podcast. As you know, if you're a regular listener, it's great sometimes to have fascinating people to talk to about the place of faith in their lives. And it's always a beautiful and a powerful thing to have people sharing their story with us. So if you're joining us today for the first time, you're especially welcome. We're delighted to have your company today. And if you do want to check out other episodes, there's lots on the Bite Sized Chunks of Faith page. And if you can share them and help them to go a bit further, that's always a really brilliant thing to do. And we really appreciate it. But today's guest spent many years working in education and she made a dramatic change in recent times and she's now pursuing a career in writing. I first came across her through her writing, which was shared with me, and I'm delighted at this point to be able to share her writing sometimes with others. She's got a fascinating story to tell and so it is my pleasure today to welcome Deborah Sloan to the podcast. Deborah, you're very welcome to Bite Size Chunks of Faith. Thank you. It's great to be here. And Deborah, for those who have never come across you before, uh, I wonder if you could tell some of our listeners a little bit about yourself, your your background, your family, uh, just maybe some of the things you like to do when you get some spare time. Okay. Well, I live in East Belfast and I belong to a Presbyterian church. Um, I've been married almost 22 years now to my husband, Russell, who works in IT. And we have four daughters who are aged 20 down to 13 and they're all living at home. So I have a lot of teenage stuff going on around me. Um, hobbies wise, um, I play tennis. I enjoy running. I actually like lifting weights, which maybe sounds a bit strange, and doing Pilates. So I like varied forms of exercise, which I get a chance now to do because I no longer work in academia in a university. Um, I read a lot. So I've just finished my 120th book this year. So that probably looks like I have a wee bit too much time on my hands. And I run a monthly book club because I like to bring people together who who like to read and just you know, to, so people can get to know each other, maybe. Um, and a pop-up book club, I do that every few months because I think it's hard for maybe for people to commit to something monthly. Um, and I'm interested in interior design and I kind of wish I'd chosen a career doing something to do with that. And I like how things look aesthetically and I like rearranging furniture. And then I suppose I, I like to to write, which is mainly how you've come across me. So I, I do quite a bit of writing on faith and church and parenting and midlife and teenagers and just whatever is happening to me in that particular week. Well, as you've just said, I, I came across you first on, on the blog that you write. And uh, just as you described there, it covers all sorts of things like being a mum, midlife, um. And it also has some content on your your faith and and 
Reflections on Life in the Church. And I'm wondering, would you be able to tell us when faith became important to you or has it always been there? Well, I think this is an interesting question because obviously there's a difference between going to church and having a faith. And I can't remember a time when I didn't go to church, but I'm not sure I remember how my faith actually developed quite so well. Um, my dad took me to church from when I was very young and I just I just was thinking about this and I remembered one occasion in particular and it was about five or six and I slipped in the pew and hit my mouth and um, started to bleed profusely um, and we only lived a, wee, a couple of minutes away, a couple of streets away and he, my dad took me home to clean me up and all I wanted to do was get back for the rest of the service and it must have been some sort of special service because I'm sure I wasn't that into sermons at that age, but there was just always something about church that appealed to me and that held me there. And I've always been involved, you know, hanging about as a teenager, taking on leadership roles. And I think I've just always loved the community aspect of it. And I was reading something recently about being a theologian of the tangible. And there's something for me about just seeing faith lived out and it being something that you can feel or touch or see and then it all makes sense so a lot of church and faith for me has has been about the people um I've always had a lot of questions about church and about the bible and was probably that annoying child who asked you know who made god or where did god come from and um I laugh at this because I probably asked Jesus into my heart about a hundred times because I was never quite sure if he was there or not but um, I did become a communicant member when I was 19. So I was an adult when I made that commitment. Um, I wasn't going to say that faith has always been there, but I haven't had any dramatic conversion moments or dates or times that I can pinpoint something major happening. Um, and it's probably only in very recent years, maybe even in my 40s, that I've really started to understand what my own personal faith looks like. It's a it's a great um, description, I think, of of your journey, and and I think, um, like you say, there are some people who who will have a very definitive or powerful experience and can pinpoint uh, a a moment in time when when faith suddenly kind of clicked into place for them. But for other people, it's a much more gentle kind of um evolution in a way of, over time um, of, of how faith has developed in their lives. But you mentioned uh, in what you said there a little bit about your your dad who brought you to church. And I wonder, um, have there been some people, um, obviously I would say your dad, but others who were particularly significant on your on your journey of faith? And maybe could you tell us a bit about some of them? Yeah, I mean, in terms of my dad, I mean, he brought my sister and I to church, but he stopped coming when I was a teenager. I think I'd found a group of friends and, you know, looking back, I feel a bit guilty. I went and sat with them and left him and, you know, he eventually just stopped coming and my mom never came to the church that we went to. But I suppose if I look back, um, the people that I, that were in the church that I grew up in, they've been there consistently throughout my life there's nobody in particular but there's a lot of faces and names I can think of and leaders and organizations Sunday school teachers but I think I remember them just taking an interest in me and encouraging me because I didn't have a family connection at church so I needed other people there 
who would keep me there, strong connections um, there, you know. Um, you know, we, we might kind of talk about this in, in a minute, but I've noticed just how much those people matter to me um, because I'm seeing them in a new light, because I'm coming back into the church I grew up in because I left it a couple of years ago to go somewhere else and, and I've now come back. And, you know, those people have just welcomed me back. They remember me as a child. They can tell stories. And, and it's a really strong connection that I have with a lot of people in the church. Um yeah, I think it's just so important for young people to have role models and other people that just even ask them how they are or what's going on in their in their life. Because, you know, they may not have a strong faith background from their own home life. I think uh, one of the things that I, I love about uh, your writing is that you're you're very open and you're you're very honest about some of the the struggles of faith in in your writing and and um as you've just mentioned there you you shared uh, a few pieces over over the the amount of time that I've been reading your writing about that decision that you took um to leave the church that you were part of for a long time and now you're back in that church but I wonder can you say a little bit about that it must have been a very painful I would say decision to leave for that period of time and 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 how did all that come about it's kind of an interesting thing to do yeah I mean as you've said I'm quite open in my writing and I probably tend to process things through the the writing so I've spent the last few months really processing what happened there and I'm still working out exact, exactly what happened so I left the church that I'd been going to since I was a small child I'd been part of it for over 40 years which is a long time and that was in June 2021 but I was also in the process of leaving my job and the career that I'd had for 20 years in a university so there was a lot of leaving going on in my life and I suppose this all coincided with emerging from the pandemic and I don't know, a sense that, you know, things needed to change or I wanted to cast things off. And I felt this sort of wrestling about who I was at church and that God was calling me to move out of my comfort zone. But, you know, that maybe I was just a wee bit too comfortable and accepted in the church I was in and a bit too insular and I needed to see things from a different perspective and step out in faith and all these romantic notions sometimes that you think you need to go off and do something different but um and then emerging from the lockdowns you know if we think back to June 2021 where we all were at that kind of stage I think I was feeling quite burned out um in terms of just a lot of additional things that I'd taken on during the pandemic alongside a full-time job and four children and you know, I'm, I'm trying to be now totally honest and as part of the processing, I think I'm realising that actually leaving a church completely was a good way to exit from all responsibilities. Um, it's quite difficult if you feel maybe you can no longer do things. It's quite hard to exit those in a church. Um, so I left a church in East Belfast. I joined another church in East Belfast. Both were Presbyterians. Um, so I was staying with Presbyterianism, basically, but... Yeah, having having left for two years, I've now gone back to the old church. And I think what I'm trying to say to people now is that it wasn't a mistake because I don't think anything God or you feel God's calling you to do is a mistake. So I, I try to frame it now as a learning experience. And um, I met some lovely people in the new church. So there are connections there that have 
change things for me. So everything has a has a reason. Um, but the main thing that I've learned from it all is what it's like to be that new person at church, to walk in through the door, to be uncomfortable, to not know anybody, not have anybody to speak to at tea and coffee, to be the person hanging out around the radiator or standing in the corner of the room. And I think those are all very common experiences for people who walk into a church for the first time. And I wouldn't have known what any of that felt like if I had stayed where I was and I hadn't gone somewhere new and I think I now see how important belonging and connection is at church and I've started to think a lot about this in in the writing in terms of how important belonging is before we can get properly into the deeper things of fellowship and worship and discipleship and evangelism you know there, there are foundations people really need to feel like they belong in a community before they start engaging in some of those deeper things with each other. So I suppose in summary, I'm still processing, but I think burnout was part of it. And also feeling that, you know, I needed to, I needed to change or do something new or learn something and maybe bring that back to where I am now and be the person who looks out for those who aren't feeling connected, who don't feel like they belong at church. I think that's a very interesting kind of thing to to think about really for the church and, and, um, you mentioned there having worked in in a university setting for about twenty years, and and um, I guess there's a, a a huge generational gap in in many churches where people of university age uh, quite often don't go to church and uh, don't really have a connection with church, and from um, your reflections, maybe from your own experience. What would you say are some of the biggest barriers to people coming to church in, in an era when fewer and fewer people seem to come? Uh, what would you say are the biggest barriers? Um, I think it comes back to, I mean, if I think of my own daughters who range from 13 to 20, they very much want to go to church and sit with the people that are their own age. They want friends there. They want to feel comfortable, like they belong and they fit in. And I think it's some of those things that I've mentioned, that fe like feeling that you don't belong or fit in or that people aren't interested in you or that you might have to behave in a certain way. You might have to conform or... Um, but one of the main things I think um, that's a barrier to coming to church, it would sound strange, is that perhaps people don't enjoy it. Um, I think it's really important to enjoy going to church. I don't think we'll stick at anything now um, unless we actually enjoy it. And for me, part of the enjoyment of going to church, obviously you're going there to, to worship God and for you know that sort of communal experience of coming together and worship but a lot of the enjoyment comes from seeing people you know you see people on a Sunday you don't see them till the next Sunday and being part of a community and also being being myself not feeling like I have to change who I am when I when I walk through the doors of a church um, and I think we're also aware now of how busy people's lives are and the competing demands that there are in people's time and so I think you know, post-pandemic, people have started to prioritise what they enjoy and what gives them a good feeling, I think. Um, I mean, that's not dumbing church down into some sort of individualistic experience. I think that's just the reality now. People are much more choosy about how they spend their time and they're not coming to church anymore 
quite of a sense of of duty. And I'm not saying we turn church into some sort of, you know, um, gym or fun place to be or or something like that. But it is enjoyment. We have to enjoy, you know, coming to church. And on that very sort of question or topic, I wonder, um, is there anything that you can think of that the church could do maybe to make it easier or more inviting to come? You've already mentioned um, for people of your daughter's generation, for example, um, it's great to be able to come with a friend. Um, but is there anything that the church could do um, to make church as an experience a little bit easier or more inviting um, to come along? Yeah, I mean, I've written a lot about how introverts ex- experience church. And I, I think sometimes we forget that people are human, that they have a lot of anxieties about going into new places or being on, on show. or, um, And I think just that whole concept of walking through a church door can feel like a massive obstacle to people who are not familiar with church and the cultural norms that, that we are familiar with. Um, I think just, you know, churches... There's a lot of activities. I mean, most of the busyness of church has all returned post-pandemic. So there's lots of organizations, lots of coffee mornings and warm spaces and lots of opportunities for people to come into church buildings. And I think those are important touch points, you know, for people to connect with people who are coming through the doors almost to those safer opportunities and then maybe even offer to come with them to church, come and collect them, Um you know, even coming into a church car park and finding your way to the door and and coming in and just all those human emotions and embarrassment and all those kind of things. So that's one thing, just kind of how people could feel a little bit more relaxed about coming through the, the church door. And then I suppose the other thing that I'm thinking about at the moment is the structure and format of church. Um, I'm writing a piece at the moment on sermons. And I think just that sort of sense of sitting, listening to somebody speaking at you or or to you for for 30 minutes with no interaction is actually very unfamiliar to people who spend a lot of time on phones, whose attention span is quite short and who are all over the place multitasking and, and doing all sorts of things. And, um, you know, I've been thinking about the buzz at church Um that sort of sense of sometimes when you walk into church on a Sunday morning, there's a chatter and a buzz and the, the minister has to kind of, you know, quieten everybody down to get get started. But that is people interacting and connecting with each other. And then in the worship and the music, people are doing it together. They're singing. And then we've got this kind of bit in the middle where everybody sits in silence and doesn't get to have any opportunity to ask questions or find out about the experiences of of people around them and I suppose it's just looking at some of those norms and practices of church that now feel quite alien to people who aren't aren't used to it and how it could be maybe made more comfortable for people to come into I mean I'm not suggesting getting rid of the sermon because that's very key part of um a service but just thinking about things like that and how difficult they are for people yeah i think there's there's a lot of powerful thoughts there you know and 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 um uh, like you say i think at the heart of it is trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes 
and um, and visualize uh, what might be extremely normal for many of us uh, is very abnormal for for a visitor or a stranger. Um, I remember once having the experience again. It was similar sort of exercise where they said, "Think of a culture that's different to the churches." So for me, um, it was a, a betting shop, and uh, they said, "We want you now as an experiment to go off and place a bet." So I went off uh, and I placed a bet on the World Snooker Championship, and I'd never been in a betting shop, but I went in and and uh, I think they knew immediately that I was a fish out of water and I didn't know what I was doing. But the the people in the shop were really really helpful, and they said, you know, I said, what do I what do I do? And I knew, you know, what I wanted to do, and I'd um, thought to myself, well, if if I'm successful here and I win, um, I'm going to give some of this away to to a charity that I I really uh, value. But it was it was kind of it made me kind of equate what I was going through. Uh, to what people might be going through when they come across the the door of of a church, and I, I love that idea that you've suggested there of of um of being able to actually even direct people from the the car park across the door, which is that awkward kind of transition. So there, there's some brilliant brilliant thoughts there and great ideas. Um, I know Deborah, you love to to read, and and I was um I love to read as well. I, I'm not on 120 books, mind you, this year, um. But I wonder if there are any particular writers, um, either sacred or secular, who have had an influence on your your faith journey. Yeah, well, I'm hoping out of the 120 this year, there might have been, um something I mean I tend to read a lot more fiction than non-fiction um, I do sometimes try to read more spiritual or or Christian books but I actually find quite often when you read those you get to the end and you're not sure quite what you've actually taken away from it there can be a lot of information Um, I suppose in terms of more faith-based authors it's not a recent book but I've just finished Scott McKnight's book The Blue Parakeet um, which I find very interesting in terms of it's all about how we rethink how we read the Bible and read it as one complete story about God rather than as a series of separate stories or even legalistic instructions or blessings and promises or different things that we tend to pick out. So um, he talks very much about the importance of context when reading the Bible and that we've been quite good at picking and choosing what we want to implement from the Bible and ignoring the rest um, or leaving out bits that don't quite suit us. Um, so it's really all about how can we apply the Bible to our 21st century lives and, and the way we do things. And he would say that there's seven words that are the secret to reading the Bible, which are that was then and this is now. So he would say that, you know, God's speaking all the time, but he spoke in Moses's days and Moses's ways and in Jesus's days and Jesus's ways and in Paul's days and Paul's ways. So there's a lot of nuance, you know, we need to, it's not easy, but we need to look at the Bible and really look at how it applies in our days. So I suppose that's a more faith-based um, book I've read recently, but, you know, I like fiction and I think I'm sometimes surprised when I, when I read a lot of fiction and actually come across people writing about faith just in the middle of, um, a story about something else and how much God and faith 
can just pop up in in surprising ways. So I was reading something this week. I read a crime series. It's called Inspector Gamache. It's by Canadian author Louise Penny. So there's 18 in the series and I'm only on number eight. So I'm delighted I've still got 10 more of those to go. But she drops a lot of insightful things about faith into into her books because Inspector Gamache, who's... um, He's, it's it's set in Quebec, I can nearly say that, but um, he's had a very difficult experience with church, um, with the rules of church as a child and, and growing up. And there's a sense that, you know, he he's trying to find something, but he has um, just carrying a lot of baggage about church. So I read a passage in the one I'm reading at the moment um, about finding God and finding God in music. So there's just a lovely passage in it about you know, just feeling God when listening to a piece of music. And I think sometimes we think that we need to, we talk a lot about faith and finding our faith, but actually it's more about finding God. And I think, you know, you can find God in different ways and people need to know that, you know, where you find God could be different from where somebody else finds God and it can be surprising. So, um, so yeah, I, I read a lot of fiction. Um, I like stories which talk about real human lives, just the the boringness in many ways of life, but just how those little flashes of um, God can pop into them. So I read a lot of um, female authors. And I suppose if I was going to recommend any, I would say people should read Anne Tyler and Anne Patchett Um and Elizabeth Strout and Tessa Hadley. So I'm going to throw those in. So that's plenty of choice um, for people if they're looking for something to read. Very good. I have read a bit of Anne Tyler. I don't think I've read the other ones, though, but I'm, I'm interested now to go. And and I've certainly heard of, of Inspector Grenache and Louise Penny. I heard a, a, a journalist on the radio who had he was interviewing Louise Penny and um, he, again, had just discovered the series and uh, he, he was loving them. And, and um, so I'm, I'm I quite like a bit of crime fiction from time to time, but usually gentle, not too gory. And um, so I, I like the sound of those that they sound quite intriguing. Um, I'm going to just ask you a little bit, um, Deborah, in terms of um, worship and church, um, are there any particular kinds of services that you would find are more relevant to your life than others in in the denomination that i work in there are some people who love traditional worship and then there'll be other people who love contemporary worship and and it can sometimes feel that people sometimes describe it as the worship wars or there can be quite a division between those two things and and uh you know, those who come to one particular kind of service very definitely won't go to another. Um, and that's just how they're wired or how they they're uh, they feel, you know, that they can connect with with God. Are there any particular kinds of services that you find are more relevant to your life than others? Yeah, I mean, I think this comes back to maybe something I mentioned earlier about 
you know, that tendency to be more introvert or extrovert. Um, I'm not that fussy, but I, I, I don't like anything that would require me to be too um, lively or too de- demonstrative or to, you know, um, where there's a lot of singing that goes on and on with no um, structure to it. So I suppose I think as a Presbyterian, there's probably a big part of me that likes, you know, traditional ritual standard format because I know what I'm going to get and I don't like to be surprised so I like to know that you know I'll know the the songs and I'll know that this thing follows that thing but I suppose I've mentioned the sermon earlier and I I, I do like to listen to a sermon but I suppose I quite like sometimes what we would call I don't know if other churches would do this but we call it in conversation or an on the sofa event maybe where people are interviewed about their lives as part of the service. And I just feel like I really want to hear about how faith is playing out in real people's lives. I I think the sermon can quite often be quite theoretical and I want somebody to tell me, well, how am I applying that in my life and what does my um, life look like? Because I think sometimes there's, there's a danger of coming to church on a Sunday into a bubble of a service and ignoring the lives that people have Monday to Saturday where actually that's where they have the most opportunities to share their faith so I would love to hear every Sunday from what's what somebody's life Monday to Saturday has been like um and I, I like corporate worship I like the singing or when I feel we're doing it together that sort of moment almost of joy when you feel all the voices are raised together kind of um in tune and in time with each other so I quite like traditional hymns and um I like more contemporary songs as well but yeah that that's probably where I experience the most joy at church is where I feel we're all in it together where it's resonating with each other mm-hmm. and over your uh, journey, I wonder, would there be any Bible passages that have been particularly important to you? And could you tell us why? And maybe maybe there'll be different ones for different seasons of your life. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose what I'm going to say here is, um, you know, we can always pick out verses or passages, you know, but I think sometimes they mean more at different stages in in life. And you can find a verse for a particular situation um, and then another verse for another situation. But I think I'm probably more of a fan of stories. So it would be more Bible stories that I would tend to to think about that are important to me. And I think that's because that's what I grew up with. And you heard those stories over and over again. And I can probably still see the books that I had as a child and then the different storybook Bibles. And then you got another Bible that had more grown up pictures in it. But the stories were still the same. So I've always loved the story of Zacchaeus. Um, And I don't know if that's because I'm quite a short person, but I've always thought there's something so human about that story of somebody climbing a tree to get a better view and and then being spotted. Um, So that would be one story that's always stood out for me. And then I suppose the Good Samaritan, I think, I think it says everything that we need to know about how we should behave as Christians. Um, I think if we told that story every Sunday, that would probably be a really good sermon. Um, And, you know, that it's not about 
following some sort of religious rules and and picking and choosing you know who belongs and who doesn't belong in our community it's it's about reaching those that are different from ourselves and going out of our comfort zone as well um and this was the other story that I always think of or that's quite important for me at the moment is the prodigal son because I felt quite enthusiastically welcomed back into the church that I left and have now returned to and I, I just feel that that kind of welcome is the kind of welcome that everybody should get at church. I think that's a, a beautiful way to kind of draw a lot of those thoughts together really because it, it's um it's that idea of of being welcomed home and uh, there's a real sense uh, as you describe with very obvious affection as well as some reservations about the church that it is a place where you kind of feel ultimately at home and um i i love the way you, you articulate this in your your writing and i'm wondering um there might be people out now, uh, having listened to the podcast, maybe walking the dog or uh, just out for a bit of a walk or something. And if people wanted to connect into or to read some of your writing, uh, where would they be able to find you on the web or on, on social media or wherever? So I write on Substack and, and that's a platform for writers. So on Substack, I am debrasloan.substack.com. Um, or you can find me on social media. So I'm Deborah J. Sloan on Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter. So the, the J is very important, Deborah J. Sloan. And I also have a website, debrasloan.co.uk. So those are various places that you can find my writing. And that's Deborah with a H, is that right? Yes, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Brilliant, brilliant. Deborah, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story and your experiences with our, our listeners. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. And if you were kind enough to hit follow or subscribe or even leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. Join me again next week for another bite-sized chunk of faith.